I met my actual child when he was born <laughs> and realized. So it is true that I suddenly unexpectedly became a single divorced homeschooling parent, but the journey for our homeschooling wasn't particularly sudden. Hey, I'm Ryan Holmes, and this is Untold Santa Cruz Shelter in Peace. There seems to be a lot in life that is beyond our control. And when we focus on that, it even seems to expand. It's through stories of perseverance, great spirit, and contribution that we learn how to be and who we can be in trying times and everyday moments. Untold Santa Cruz is a podcast about good people doing good work in a good place. It could be anywhere. It just happens to be here. My next guest raised two wonderful children in particularly trying times and guided their education at home. She has an ability to focus on what truly matters and work with those around her, even under great stress. She is a passionate and talented instructor, as well as the program manager for Kid Power, Teen Power, Full Power International. And she's someone I can always go to to get advice about life and parenting in particular. Please welcome my friend, Erica Leonard. Hey, Erica. Hello, Ryan. Thanks for uh, showing up on my screen today. <laughs> Normally sitting <laughs> down with you. me, but uh, good to see you. Um, yes. I really wanted to talk to you uh, because you know we're a month into the shelter-in-place order, and I recall that you became a home teacher, a homeschool teacher, or an unschool teacher. I'm not sure which category it would be in. Um, sort of suddenly as well, and and did a, a phenomenal job because I know both your your children. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that today. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, That's what led to you? There, uh, what's that? You got a question there. I do. Uh, <laughs> what led to you? Um, because you were a school teacher, a public school teacher, and then I you chose to homeschool your kids. What led up yeah. to that? Um, I met my actual child when he was born. <laughs> and yeah. realized, so it is true that I suddenly unexpectedly became a single divorced homeschooling parent. Right. But the journey for our homeschooling wasn't particularly sudden. Um, when my child was born, I was planning to take just one year off of teaching. I was a sixth grade teacher, middle school mm. teacher, and it was a single subject class. So it was kind okay. of like an elementary sixth grade, even though it was at a middle school campus. So I okay. loved my work and I was going to take one year off, um, while I had my first child and, uh, and of course, my kids were going to be public school kids all the way. Yeah. <laughs> there was no question about that. Um, that was the plan. And then, that, yes. It's funny what we know. Yeah. The, yes. Now I understand more of that phrase when people say the older they get, the less they feel like they know. Right. I feel like I felt like I knew a lot more then than I feel like I know now. I think that's wisdom, <laughs> right? When you realize how much you know, you don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I knew that any child of mine would definitely go to public school. And then when I say I met my actual child, I, I literally mean that. Um, it was, he was probably three months old when 
it really dawned on me that he was different, that he was really uniquely different um, in a wonderful way, a very calm way, and uh, and that he wouldn't... I, I began to get the inkling that maybe this wouldn't be a child that would be good for the public school system. It's funny mm. to say that about somebody being three months old, mm-hmm. <laughs> but... There were just, you know, everybody could tell their baby stories forever. I won't bore you with them all here. Let's just trust that I saw these things and went, huh, this is, where does this go? Hmm. You know, and the older he got, the deeper that feeling became. Hmm. And it wasn't that I wanted to protect him. Well, it wasn't exactly that I wanted to protect him from the school system. I didn't think that the school system would be trying to cause any harm. So right. I believe the school system does a lot of good, and I am a big supporter of public education and access to it. And when an individual is distinctly different from a system, hmm. it's unrealistic to expect the system to adapt and tailor to the degree necessary for every individual child than would have been required for that child. I'm intensely grateful that he came first Mm. (laughs) ahead of my second child, uh, who I don't know if I would have had the same insight. Huh. How uh, did you go through a period of, of hoping it would work out or, or trying to uh, write a story in which it would, or did you just immediately know and, sort of pivot your expectations? I think it was a, a, I remember it as kind of a gradual growing dread. Oh. Because. (laughs) I know that one. (laughs) Not that exact one, but. (laughs) Let's go back to Mm. no child of mine is not going to go to public school. Right. This child of mine is not going to be a fit for public school. Public school will not intend to cause harm, and right. I believe my child might accidentally experience harm. Right. Therefore, like, did you see it was a logic problem? Yeah. Like, what that leads to is, Erica, you're going to have to give up something here, and it may be a cherished belief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how you yeah. are, Ryan, but when my cherished beliefs get pressured, I, I get a little tantrum <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And the only time I get more tantrum is when I try to hold on to them for longer and yes. realize later in the game that they're still not working. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, yeah. it was more of a growing sense of, of dread in the sense that, you know, when a child is so young, you still feel like, well, my one year, um, you know, my marriage didn't work out, Ryan, and there's not a lot that we have in common. Okay. My children's father and I, yeah. however, I'll be eternally grateful forever. I, our plan, we made a plan, which was I would take one year off. We had, we had resources, certainly more than a lot of folks, but we mm. were down to the wire, right? There wasn't mm. any extra mm. money. And um, our agreement was I would take one year off. And so that growing sense of dread was first growing to how am I going to make this work and send yeah. this kid into, and, and I realized the privilege there and even having the choice at all. You know? Sure. Right. So I want to acknowledge the the place that I was standing, that it would have been a really hard choice, but, but the choice was a choice. And that puts mm-hmm. me in a spot, you know, uh, of incredible privilege, but it wasn't the agreement 
<laughs> with the right. child's other parent, right? The child's other parent was in agreement that after a while we would have two incomes and that we, we would, you know, make ends meet that way. And uh, what, for what I'm eternally grateful is one evening uh, when that oldest child was about one. So I would be going back in about three or four months. Mm. I said in the dark, you know what? I can't see how this is going to work. I, and you I, knew at that age. That's amazing. I did. Well, that was for even just kind of going into the full-time childcare part, okay. which I, which I saw not so much as an age thing, just more this person, right? This right. person, like how, how does this work with this child? This mm -hmm. is, and in the dark, dad said, I agree. Wow. And for That's all fortunate. the things that we didn't have in common and for all the things we couldn't work out, uh, his giving at that point, which wasn't a fight. It wasn't, I don't know what his, I don't know if he ever changed his opinion. You know, that's, mm -hmm. it was just, I agree. And, and that, that was not a, you know, we as a, as a team paid a financial price for that. Like that, sure. that impacted him, that decision impacted him. And I'm eternally grateful because it, it opened the door to what That's, became a really important pathway for that job. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I asked you that because we're, we're all here without a choice homeschooling now. And, um, <laughs> when we first, uh, when we and first I laugh, started, you know, I'm laughing I, about this situation. I got to clarify. I'm laughing because this is nothing like homeschooling. This is being forced to take care of education. Yes. Uh, because, because choices that you all that preferred, and I say that as a parent of kids in their twenties now, yeah. choices that you all had made have now been eliminated. From you. Right. We, we Which planned on having other people school our, right. That's, that's a good point. That's <laughs> yes, a really good yes. point. It's not so what we're I now, did, but. <laughs> right. So, so there's a distinction between I'm choosing to homeschool my child and holy heck, all of a sudden my child is at home and we're going to somehow patch together what we think school should be here in this so moment. So much so. And in fact, as a homeschool parent, you know, people within a homeschooling community, it's been a while since I've really been in touch with folks in a homeschooling community, but I trust they still say the same thing. There are many, as many ways to homeschool as there are families, right? There's not like ways yeah. a b and c there's kind of categories and then within mm. those categories there's similarities but then you're every single family is different and so for myself the element of choice is so central in from my perspective and how somebody learns that my kids always had the choice to go to school mm. i was really clear about that now that's not true for every homeschooling family but it was for me because okay. my feeling was if my kids chose if one of them said this mom is how I want to do my education. For me, that was the whole point. I wanted mm -hmm. them to have the agency. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to have, now it had to be agency within what I thought would be, you know, safe and acceptable, sure. you know, what I could pull off financially and all of those things. But, but for them to say, I really want to go to that neighborhood school. If mm. either of my kids ever had that feeling, to me, them walking in the front door by choice because they were running towards it, mm -hmm. that's what I want my kids to do. Yeah. And that's kind of the opposite of what's happened to families who have lost their schools right now. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. So uh, other than, well, trying to export school to home and become their teacher, what can, I mean, 
it sounds like you did a lot of listening um, to your child and giving them a lot of choice. Uh, is that the key or is there something else we should be up to here at home? I think when you and I have talked in the past, we talked a little bit about my low priorities, my low standards. Yeah. And I think it's that I set my standards and I pursue my standards. It's just that my own standards might be deemed by the general public to be particularly low. (laughs) And that, but that, and so that allowed for some choice. And so we were in a particular, you know, I, I got divorced in the summer of 2001. We moved into this house again, an, an incredible privilege. It's not a fancy house, but um, my grandfather was a carpenter. Um, uh, we're white identified folks. That means yeah. he was, he had all that white privilege of the thirties and forties. He was able to belong to a union. I mean, there were a yeah. lot of privileges he didn't have, but there were enough that he did, that he was able to get a bit of land and yeah. build on it, to work on it at night and still feel safe, you know, all kinds of things that, mm. that were not true for everybody right. and uh, created access to me for this, this home that I was able to land in when I mm. fell. <laughs> land, I like that. Kids. Yes. <laughs> on your two feet landing. <laughs> <laughs> so when, so that's where we ended up in this, yeah. in this property that had never had a mortgage on it. Wow. Um, yeah. And which is where we still, where we still keep our feet planted because we can shelter from the economy there. Um, and we welcome other folks in for that same reason. Um, and so we ended up there in the summer of 2001. I was not expecting my marriage to fall apart. If you had asked me in May, I would have told you that we would have been together forever. A divorce had never occurred to me. And at the end of June, I made the decision that, that uh, marriage was not an option. Okay. Um, and so, that we got settled in that place. We moved in there the end of July. Um, September 11th happened. Wow. My kids were afraid. Uh, they were afraid, emotionally afraid. I don't mean afraid. I mean afraid right. by shredding. Yeah. <laughs> we and all were, right? But children especially. Yeah. And I sheltered them from that. They didn't know. But most of what they were afraid and afraid from was uh, that – just the transition that they actually were both more relaxed and less stressed after we lived in a separate home. There was mm-hmm. no violence in our mm-hmm. home. There was, I, uh, I, that was never a problem. However, I think there was emotional stress and sure. my older child in particular, I told you his, it just, he wasn't a good match for school yeah. and his volume for being able to sense things is uh, more keen than some of right. certainly than mine. And, um, so I think for both of the kids being in a spot where they weren't with a couple of adults where there was that level of tension yeah, um, was a relief for them both. But my dad was beloved to them both. And he had been diagnosed with lung cancer that had metastasized to his mm. brain. He had many, many brain tumors. And so he had become psychotic and all this was happening all at the same time. And when your grandfather becomes psychotic, it, it's not a gradual disappearance. It's, it's because because emotionally they're not there anymore, you know, right. or emotionally they're unchangeable. They're, they're changeable, excuse me. And, um, so when you're only four and six, that's, and that's a hard, it's a hard thing to explain brain cancer and psychosis to a four and six year old. Four and, and six. Then, yeah. And, and to and, deal and, with yeah. your own grief at the same time. Yes. And, and so 
there are bridges that we end up having to cross. You know, that was a, a little one of my bridges that's no that's no better or worse or different or more amazing or hard or awful than any of the bridges you're going to have, right? They're just, some of the bridges and moments are just incredibly amazing and you couldn't have planned how great they would be, better than anything you could have imagined. Yeah. And there's other moments as a parent, you end up in a spot thinking, I would have done anything not to be here. Mm-hmm. But this is you the had bridge a, I'm on. <laughs> a wallop of the, I mean, you had th- three of those at once, it sounds like. Yes. So the overlap was, um, the overlap was, you know, it was kind of full to overflowing. It was, yeah. you know, it was more, strangely enough, Ryan, you know, at that time, there's them throughout my branches of my family. There's questionable use of alcohol. Mm, <laughs> Just okay. if you look back <laughs> in the generation. Generous. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, so certainly not everybody, but you look here mm. and you look there and like, hmm, and you know, I'd always kind of wondered, hey, is there anything genetic that I should mm-hmm. be thinking about? It was around that time that I did, I made a rule for myself, talk about low standards. I have like, I have rules that help me get by. And I think yeah. that's useful. Yeah. Right. The fewer decisions you have to make, <laughs> I think there might that be is science such a about good point. that. Yeah. Yeah. I made a decision right around then that, um, I don't drink alcohol, and I still hold this up. I don't drink alcohol if I am uh, the only one on a property, the only adult on a property with yeah. children, and I don't drink alone. Yeah. So really, that those are good a rules. A lot of times, <laughs> they seem like good rules, don't they? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and you know, everybody has their own rules, but I like what you said um, that you you don't have to invest any emotional energy into no. assessing the situation. It's just, here's the rule. It's just, it's just, it was just the rule. And so, you know, it, yeah, it was a wallop of a time, but mm. I found, I've, I've found over times that sometimes just making, like I said, some low standards, yeah. some basic rules, what, what's within my agreement with myself and what's yeah. not, you know? And, and so, yeah, it was a wallop of a time. I was like, well, this is not a good time to even be just telling myself I'm just having a glass of wine at night. Right. This could go. It could be a slippery we slope. Gotta look at the, right, we got to look at this straight on. It's yeah. really miserable because that's what I'm talking about. Like that, mm. there was something isolating about that time. Very different from this time. I mean, this is of course, a. uh, an unprecedented kind mm-hmm. of isolation. There's nothing like what I was going through then. That's like what people are going through now, but, yeah. um, but nobody else was going through it. And so there was right. a difference that's, from that's others. That's so different, <laughs> right? Yeah. There yeah. was not a sense of camaraderie. There was, I had yeah. no cohort, right? <laughs> there was, we had the kind of marriage dissolution. That was the kind that you're like, Oh, people are talking about this over right. the dinner table. So I it was more isolating than, it was camaraderie and you know, and the brain cancer thing and the psychosis yeah. thing. And, and my children were not demonstrating behavior uh, that made people go, Oh, what wonderful children. Should okay. Have. Yeah. <laughs> I had a beloved friend at the time who told me I lack the skill set to provide care for your children. <laughs> wow. Well, what an eloquent way to say that though. Yes, <laughs> it mean- was. <laughs> <laughs> but they were Jeez. not, there was nothing about it that was just beautiful, right? No, we were no. at the edges. Yeah. They were a bit of a mess. And in that time, I, were you going to ask me something? Well, I had an observation, but I want to hear what you, where you're going with that. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I was telling myself, we're going to do this. We're going to, I sheltered them from nine 11. And I, every now and then I'd, I remember being at the washing machine, like pulling out some laundry and looking up and they would be playing in the mud kind of, you know, off in the distance as kids can be sometimes, you know, you're yeah. watching them. I'd be thinking, 
and there's no model for this. There's no, there's no model for single homeschooling parenting in California. At least there wasn't in 2001. Uh, I don't know what this is going to look like. And I believed I could do it. I could see it, but it's like, what if I'm wrong, you know, and nobody else is coming home. Like this is, it just, it felt big, but you know, we just like, okay, we're going to do this just one day at a time. I can, I can see how to do it. But since I haven't seen anybody else do it, like I, it's kind of in my head, you know, mm. and I believe it will work, but I don't know that it will work. I think it will work. And, and we're just going to go on that. And, um, it was good. It was good. The kids were, were better there than they were before. And still, uh, you know, really my older child really just was really showing signs of distress mm. but I didn't really necessarily recognize of that mm. and one day I found him curled up in the fetal position in the tomato bushes and kind of non-responsive crying. Oh, I sat down and scooped him up and we just sat there I mean he wasn't talking and and I just that was when the low standards came into place there was just there were there were no more illusions to be held up anymore it's like what you know, I think you and I have talked about before about all the, all the the lines parents have about like kind of what is what is there at least they will mm-hmm. <laughs> line. Yeah. Well, my kid will be, they can do whatever they want at least as long as they get into a state school as long as they sure. get into a school, as long as they learn another language as long as they right. learn instruments just just they've just got to get through algebra like it's something there's always like a thing a line yeah. you know. I don't know what my line was. I'm sure I had one. I'm positive I had one. I know from where I came. <laughs> yes. I'm positive I had. <laughs> it's just that was so long. I don't, and those lines become so unimportant at those moments where you're just like, wow, this is, yeah. who cares about what that stupid line is? Because who cares what college your kid gets in if they don't make it there, if they're not alive for it? Right. And that was the fear yeah. in that moment with them. With him in the, yeah. And that was just all the stress and uh, of the moment. Yeah. He was just, he was just, uh, you know, what is such a gift today and really what always was. I I am amazed when I see him now as a, you know, 25 year old, the wholeness, the wholeness of his well-being, of his self, of his presence. And he is still that same person. He still has some of those same qualities that adults didn't like. Hmm. But they're more appreciated in adults. For example, he doesn't really spend any time trying to please people. He doesn't spend time trying to displease people. Sure. But he doesn't mind if you are displeased with him. Wow. He will mind if he's displeased with himself and his own ethics. But do you th- if, yeah, go ahead. Do you think that's, um, I ask because I think it's so important. What I hear you saying is he's a- authentic. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, my first instinct is, can he teach that? <laughs> could, he, <laughs> could he help me learn how to do that? Because it's so difficult because it's so easy to let yourself change in subtle ways to please people um or do you think that's how he's alive i think it's easier to keep it alive than it is to teach it okay learn it keep it alive if it's there i think keep making the show yeah 
uh, yeah, in all I people think it's it is, there right? In all children. Yeah. I'm not positive, but I, th- well, I, I think you're right. I think it's there in all children, and I think it uh, can get stifled. Right. How, and, so, yeah. yeah, what's the mechanism? Because I think we, we talk about this a lot when we're teaching. How does that happen where we go from being children that are happy with themselves and do what they naturally do to, a, you know, young adults and adults that now don't do what they want to do, but they do what they think will be allowed or will get them um, praise? so much so much yeah here you got so 10 hours ryan yeah right. <laughs> do we have, do we have 10 hours? <laughs> just as you asked that question yeah. you know, there's so much beautiful scholarship and writing and and research and study through so many branches that pop up in my mind when you're yeah. talking things that i am not an expert in but you know just look at what we could read about as parents about praise mm. what we could mm-hmm. read about or think about in terms of intrinsic motivation right. um gender dynamics yeah right um so much around the be a man box or, or you mm-hmm. know what it means to be perceived as male what uh, what it means to be perceived as female, right? There are some, what, which of these things and what combination stifles our authenticity in the context of an institution. Mm. And it seems it might be a unique special mix for each one. And I wonder if some are more, more vulnerable. I don't know if you read the orchid and the dandelion. I've forgotten the author's name came out last year. I believe it was 2019. Excellent book. And I felt like I had always called my kids a, a shrub and a rose. <laughs> and when when I saw this orchid and the dandelion and read the back and I heard the author interviewed on NPR, I thought, oh my gosh, it's like a thing. It's like a, like it's a thing. Like yeah. it's, and of course, again, it's yet another book of, you know, people, you know, all these books, all these areas of study and research, we can compile them. But this concept of People having different levels of sensitivity. My younger right. child, I believe I could have put my younger child in a vast array of contexts, right, educational contexts, ranging yeah. from uh, outstanding to really sketchy. And I believe that that child would have made the most of it. Yeah. I don't think that necessarily would have been the best thing, the healthiest thing, mm. but the level of resilience there is pretty, pretty high. Yeah. Um, I don't believe people have the same inherent level of resilience. Yeah. Sometimes a particular skill or like you said, a sensitivity creates a brilliance that isn't as resilient, right? Yeah. And I think that that was part of what I was seeing when I was looking at where is this going to go, yeah. you know, yeah. and in those low standards at that moment in the, <laughs> in the tomato bush were really, I, I, the, that I would, that I really just, they had the two, the, by the time this kid's 18 and I hold it for both of them, by the time mm. they're 18, my bars are mental health, which to me includes emotional intelligence, right? It includes connection with your, your emotional self as well. Um, so that's one big bubble and so that's one and the ability to read 
I, I really think where we live now, how we live, if you don't have the ability to read, that's going to be a problem. But all the yeah. others, I'm like, if you can read, you could, you may not be the world's most amazing cutting edge mathematician in your 20s, but you can learn some really great math to get by and have a really good life. If you sure. did, Like, I, I think you could pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> it might not be your thing. If you were interested and wanted you to learn, could, yeah. Exactly. If you're interested and you wanted to learn, yeah. but you have to be able to engage with it. You know, I needed these people to be functioning. I yeah. needed them to function. It became really clear to me all those messages about, you know, how much money you should try to save for college, which I couldn't have saved mm -hmm. any of that. Mm -hmm. I had more resources again than so many, but even then, the right. amount that it costs to go to college is just absurd, you know? Mm -hmm. But again, you're looking at this, and what does it matter? What does it matter if I save this money? Yeah, and, and your, the kids, your child and I, isn't well, or yeah, they're they're not well. They can't function in a classroom. They don't. They don't even get there. They don't live for it. They don't. So, so I spend it other ways. Um, mm. Therapy, I spend yeah, cash, whatever cash I had for therapy, which I was really grateful to do. But I think that also helped him filter the pressures and really hold on to that authenticity. Yeah. That's great. You you gave him the tools to deal with how life interacted with his difference or, you know, his sensitivity and gave him the, the skill to then interact with mm -hmm. what he was yeah. interpreting. Or And I think that when you say give him the tools, I think that's true. I think, I think he learned a lot from me. Yes. Um, because I think every child learns a huge amount from the adults that they're stuck with. Right. <laughs> right for better and for worse yeah. right i'm sure he's learned we could probably ask him what are some things you aren't ever gonna do that <laughs> your mom did you know and he'll be like well let me tell you um mm. and and he'd be able to tell you some things that he learned from me that he really yeah. appreciated and i i feel like a big piece of the tools that he learned from me involved and it's something that i think about now as i reflect on folks sheltering in place a big piece involved me being a shield of all the shoulds being okay. thrown at our family in whatever way my body takes those blows mm. my body takes those blows while while this fragile being and and he definitely was fragile but i'm thinking what mm. what would be what would be uh, tough enough in a child of mine that I didn't want to play that role. Mm -hmm. I want that. I want them to have those years, right? So he was particularly fragile enough that I noticed that I needed to do it, that I needed to protect him. However, you want to look at it psychically or spiritually, or you know, mm -hmm. his sense of self or what a him, him that 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 spot that's him from the high bars that others had the the shoulds. The world did not like my older child particularly yeah. well. Um, yeah. which is, which is interesting because he's such a good person, yeah. but his way of responding to stress, I think children can often respond to stress in ways that adults find, um, repulsive in the sense of causing repelling, you know, yeah. not yeah. repulsive, like disgusting, but as, as in pulling back, um, and adults when they're uncomfortable often are not their best selves either. Yeah. I mean, it would be a, a kind of a toxic dynamic. So sometimes it was should, you should, 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 but it was, it was kind of a constant message from so many angles of you just are weird the way you are. You just mm. should be different. You should, should be different. you should like different things. You should laugh different ways. You should joke different ways. You should be different ways. You should think different things. You should talk to it. Just like felt like everything just yeah. felt like 
And and he had a sibling who was different in the world. He had a sibling who, for some reason, that child's way of being was very pleasing to adults. Yeah. And the, the, the adults, the, the messages just didn't come through the same way. Hmm. The world Did you have a conversation about those messages and, you know, at, at a, or at what point did you have that conversation about, you know, the world we sees did. you differently? Yeah. We did a lot because that was also a stressor for, for them in their experience, yeah. you know, and um, so in different ways over time we did. And that's a real source of hurt at the time. And again, sure. when we're talking about that authenticity, you know, to be present with who your child actually is in the situation you're actually in. And that kind of brings us, you know, back to that situation right here. I don't know how to parent in this pandemic. Right. I haven't parented in this pandemic. I don't know what parents should do. I would love it if they were parents to the actual kid in front of them. If we could yeah. sweep away the noise of those shoulds, all of them. They should learn an instrument. They should learn a language. They should be at this level of math. They should weigh this much. They should do this with their hair. They should just, there's so many, Ryan. It just seems to be mm. that there's more and more with every avenue. Now there's social media telling you ways you should be doing. Like mm -hmm. every place you look. Yeah. There's it almost seems like, more. right, more and more, and then, and more, more, um, ways to get that message too, like you said, with social media, it almost feels like this is an opportunity because we've stepped out of a huge institution being school. It's an opportunity to actually connect with who that child is and to realize, I think a lot of us are realizing our idea of what we should do to homeschool, quote unquote, isn't working as well as we had planned. <laughs> so when things don't work well, we have a new opportunity. We saw that coming. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And that's from somebody who there's uh, has a greatest gift in my life to have had those years in that yeah. way. You've always seen, mm, sorry, I, I talked right Go over ahead. you there. Well, I remember when we first started teaching, I always, um, I enjoyed learning from you, your ability to think on your feet uh, in different situations, but there was always a thread of, the same intent, like I, like it was almost like the rules you were talking about, um, that where improvising didn't mean you went off intent. It might be the topic was different or the question was different or the environment was different, but what do you attribute that to? Is that who you are or is it, I mean, well, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I, as different as my kids are from me, they're also kind of the same. You know, hmm. we're kind of an odd bunch, descended <laughs> from an odd bunch. <laughs> and um, nobody ever called me fun. Mm. I think you're fun. <laughs> I, I have what I think is fun, right? And yeah, I yeah. can enjoy myself. But but I even remember as a kid the feeling of that I wasn't very good at being a kid and that maybe huh. I would be, be better being an adult. Like that it would be like I'd be a better adult than I was a kid. Wow. Um, it, it, the kid thing I wasn't very good at and 
I could tell that I did things that made people uncomfortable. Huh. I didn't worry quite about it. You know, it was different from my my older child. But I had a kind of security, a sense of security that he hmm. didn't have. You know? Right. Um, but the messages I got were, I think, too much. You know, I could never go deep enough. You could give me the saddest story, the story about, like, people, you know, just, I wanted to know more. I could just read more, tell me more, tell me mm. more about human experience. I want to know more. I want to go deeper. So I think there's an element of what you're asking about that for some people, if you think about a high schooler who likes to think that much, yeah, you know, just in depth. And there's some, you know, those are the precious ones that find, they don't find 20 friends in high school. I didn't right. have 20, yeah. I didn't have a group. <laughs> Yeah. But I had a friend here and a friend there, you know, we would talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. So I think there's a piece of um, developing clarity for yourself, having time for yourself to develop a sense of direction, to develop your own sense of values. And by that, I don't mean, you know, values. These are our values. Remember to live by them, but really asking those questions, you know, what, what is it that I value? What am I doing? Where am I going? What is my intention in raising this person? And, and in seeing them so is struggling and feeling so much pain, you know, that's not what, that's not what a parent ever wants, right? When you have children, you envision this like, Oh, they're going to, you know, and then you look at them and you're like, wow, look at them suffer. Look at them. Look at me be so intensely humanly flawed (laughs) at leading them. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Wow. Regretful parenting moments. (laughs) (laughs) And and so it's a question of just the eyes on that horizon. Where are we going? What is my intention here? And my intention was emotional intelligence and the ability to read. Hmm. Mental health, emotional intelligence, and ability to read. Um, that, and that's okay if there's macaroni on the table and mud on curtains, or if there are no curtains, or if there's, you know, chickens in the house. We did for a little bit have the chicken in the house. Nice. <laughs> I just, everybody has their thing where you're like, this sure. thing that's happening now is not really what we ever planned on, but I necessarily recommend it. But like with these moments, I'm sure you've had those moments. You don't need to divulge them here. Thank you. Where you think about that as a parent of like, no, this is not exactly what, yeah. Yeah. Um, It's not what you would, uh, it's not the stereotypical um, family picture here. No. Or house picture. Yeah. No. Um, But I had those standards and then I would measure by them. Right. What is Mm -hmm. the, if the goal is thriving for these people emotionally, if that's, if that's the goal, what's the decision right here? Mm. And there, so you and kept the big, the big long-term picture in mind, not the picture. little picture from, you know, where our, um, our homeschooling, uh, schedule has gone off course today. It's, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> and, raising yes. a, an adult in the yeah. picture. That, and I think, um, there was a piece of the isolation too. And I almost wonder if that part turned out to be a lot easier for me than folks right now, because there is a shared experience of us all here yeah. now. I mean, my partner and I were sheltering in place here and both of us, our children are over 20. 
And we look at each other now and then like, wow, imagine what this experience would be like with a four-year-old or a five-year-old, you know, look at us sit (laughs) and and relax. Like it's, it's hard. What people are going through right now is, is really, really, really hard. And there are a lot of things about human experience that are really hard. I've chosen to pull off the shelf for this time to keep my alignment lined up. Just pick up the diary of Anne Frank if you're really oh, geez, sure yeah. if you're doing okay. Right? Like, yeah. there's isolation. And there's isolation. Right. So, you know, <laughs> this, and I'm not, it, I don't even have little kids in the house. You right. know, there's, humans have struggled through a lot. And, and some humans haven't made it. Let's go with Anne Frank there. Yeah. Right? Some haven't. And a lot yeah. have. But this is hard, but it's not harder than we can do if we reach out to each other, stay in touch, Mm. get help, Mm -hmm. communicate. You know, there's a lot of things that we can do. It is unpleasant, and many are experiencing emergencies that deserve help, a lot of help. And for all of us who are on more solid ground to recognize those inequities. But... I had the freedom of no longer being able to compare myself to peers. Now, that you can see that as a horrible thing, right? I ended up with no cohort. There really just aren't single homeschooling parents. At least there weren't in the early 2000s, yeah. like I said. And you didn't have social I, media to find a group or, or connect online. No. I mean, no. And, and maybe so there was didn't a go to the chat PTA board. <laughs> because we didn't go to this. Like, there wasn't a thing. And homeschooling groups, all the homeschooling parents, they were all married which is fine. It's just that it wasn't like I had a group and there's something really isolating about that. But AI, there's also something really freeing. Mm -hmm. And I really did experience probably both and then found that the taste of freedom was so amazing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what it feels like as a dad. And I don't know if this is changing. When my kids were younger, they, there used to be people would talk about how dads would go to the park and people would do things like, Oh my gosh, how amazing that you're out with your child. And does that kind of thing still happen? Oh, a little. I, I think that the, um, why I always feel like I'm, I'm really glad to be a dad in this era because my dad didn't know what he missed out on. And because he didn't know, there's, I don't have any judgment about it at all. But I also think, God, what a tragedy it would be to have a, that, those different expectations about what being a father was and could be from that era. So it seems a little 50 50. Some people still say stuff like that. And some people, it's just completely normal. Yeah. Well, I had the perspective that from where I was when my kids were like four, five, six, seven. The way I looked at it, I was like, you know, odds are, no matter what decisions I make, I'm the mother. And in this case, that was from a sort of a heteronormative perspective. Right? Right. This was the early, still had a lot of learning to be done there. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm the mother. We got the mother and the father, and I'm the mother, and the mother right. gets blamed for a lot, like no matter sure. how this turns out, right? Right. And so... I was somebody who always liked to do everything right. I wanted to meet every bar. I did meet every bar. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. If we could go over all the bars that I scaled mm. <laughs> <laughs> from 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, all that. I just did everything right. Like, And, and still, I did everything right, and my life fell apart. Mm-hmm. That's not 
the way, that's not the way the story is supposed to go. And I would see people that did all these things wrong and things would work out for them. <laughs> and then, yes. you know, when you start to study <laughs> those, you're like, then <laughs> look at me, judgy self going, you did all, all right. the wrong things, but you have joy. Why is that? <laughs> Once again, shall we come face to face with the yeah. cherished beliefs yeah. here? You know, so no matter, it, it occurred to me that from where I was standing, no matter what decisions I made as a parent, I didn't seem to have a cohort. I didn't seem to have a group. And like I said, that was sort of nausea inducing yeah. at first, but then it was like, well, <laughs> like there's, there's no roadmap. There's nobody like, so, and no matter what I do here, I'll probably get blamed for it. Yeah. Like no matter how this turns out. So if that's the outcome anyway. How about I do what I think is right? Like, how about I do what I think is the best thing? Because I don't yeah. like I can't control the outcome. And I realized at that point, I I did I want to I want to be a good mom. I want to I want to be like, but I need to look inside right. for it to be the good you mom. I need it. to know what it what what is my own measurement tool. And it became easier when those other voices were cleared out. I weren't. Yeah. It wasn't clear that they were clouding my thinking, but they were. And that was when I realized and developed that tool for myself that helped me through a lot of really awful decisions, which was, who am I accountable to? And I think that that comes back to, again, that sense of direction. And it still hasn't failed me. I don't need it anymore now. They're adults. They're fine. They're both yeah. thriving. And just, again, like for all these folks in their homes right now, whatever that home is, it might be a car, it might be a hotel room, it might be, like, it can be all kinds of things that you make sure. home in for for whatever period of time. And there's so many shoulds. Uh, my kids didn't read until they were nine. I mean, they were around a lot of books. Sure. But if they had been, if they had been brought into a classroom, if they had been brought, so all these folks were getting the message, your kids are going to be behind. Your kids are mm. going to be behind. You know how far behind they're going to be? They're going to be behind, mm. you know? We have numbers to prove If we had brought it. my kid, <laughs> yeah, if we had brought either of my kids into a, a first grade classroom, at, at the, the beginning of what it had been first grade. Oh my goodness. The tisk they would have not made any of the, you know, like, what have you been doing with this right. child? Right. They didn't meet any of those. If you have a structure that's built on the ability to sit a certain way, hold like use an iPad, like, I don't know what, the, we didn't have the tech thing at the right. point that they were, but if you need to read because the entire curriculum is based on somebody being able to read, Right. Then not being able to read is a big emergency. But if your whole life is not about, if you, there's lots of ways to learn that don't involve reading when you're five and six and seven that involve movement, yep. listening, a lot of audiobooks, a lot of audiobooks. Yeah. A lot of listening. <laughs> We're doing a lot of those um, right now. Just not with their eyes and sitting yeah. still, right? Yeah. Um, but so I've got a couple of kids who couldn't read until nine. They didn't read anything by themselves until nine, really. Uh, and, and my older child stopped writing stuff when he was about seven or eight, from seven to 14, he really didn't write anything. I know wow. why. I know why he stopped and I know why he started again. I mean, he mm. wrote stuff down, but not the equivalent even of a paragraph at any one time. Right. Both of them are college students. Both of them are very <laughs> successful. Both of them, like, they're really solid and fine. So, like, you can, like, for so these messages, I get stressed. I don't have small children. I listen to things on the news. Oh, all this worry about we're in a whole generation is going to be behind in learning. Right. My goodness, Ryan, 
they're getting behind in learning. And I don't mean to sound minimizing here, but they're getting behind in schooling, which is true. And that might be a problem. However, systems are rocking and systems are who knows what learning is going to be the most valuable 10 years Mm. from now. Yeah, that's a good point. Right? I'm not positive that all the little straight lines we drew from A to Z for the good right way to do aren't going to get rearranged. So I agree that people's schooling has been severely disrupted and their pathways on predetermined lines, which have real value of some kind. That's been disrupted. That's, yeah. All of these people are learning every single day. And if we look at people and say, you have lost a year of learning, uh, from my perspective, Ryan, that devalues a whole year of their lives. Absolutely. And we can't control it. So focusing on that has no power. This is learning right now. This is, right now, kids are learning what they think about how adults manage things, about how it, like, their kids are learning reading, they're learning games, they're learning activities, they're learning how their adults manage stress, they're learning, they're learning math without realizing it's math, math comes up right. with a lot of things, they're forming opinions about politics, they're forming opinions about leadership, they're forming opinions about empathy, like, they, they're dealing with bugs in their backyard, they, you can't mm. stop a young human brain from <laughs> learning. Yeah. Unless they're unconscious. Right. Humans learn. Yeah. So when we say they've lost a year of learning, they will have lost a year of learning. To me, that's a disregarding of human experience. Just the relaxation I feel when you say that, like as a parent and, you know, with with a a 10-year-old, it's like, oh. We're not getting behind. I mean, okay, yeah, we're getting behind in schooling, but yeah, let's focus on all the learning that is going on and be a part of that rather than mourning the loss of something that I can't get back anyway. I mean, that feels liberating. Let's take Anne Frank. Right, I'm only a little bit into that diary that I've been reading. I lay down and I start reading. I fall asleep. Right. Yeah. 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 But we know the story of Anne Frank. We know what happened. What if it hadn't happened that way? Right. What if she had had that experience? that it experienced at the end physical liberation and the opportunity to live. Would we have said that she was behind in her learning? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> we would yeah. have said that we all had a lot of learning to do from sure. that person. Right? She would not have been behind. But I agree, she may have been behind in some schooling. Yes. Right. And those, so those are different things. And I don't mean to devalue the schooling. I do mean to question it. I think we're mm-hmm. all better off if we question it. Well, it's a good time to question the structures yeah. that got us to where we are right now. I mean, not that they got us to Absolutely. a pandemic exactly. Maybe the response to the pandemic is partially a uh, cause of those structures. But So many good questions. How do, how do we treat animals? Right. Get us a, how do we treat different groups of people? Has that changed how this pandemic has played out? How do we treat access to healthcare? How do we treat racial groups? How do we treat people who have no resources? Mm. How is it that we've had people with no resources? <laughs> There's a lot of good questions. Yeah. And the, um, the big reminder of the pandemic for me is that we're all human. And it seems like right before it, we were 
Democrats or Republicans or liberals or conservatives or red states or blue states, you know, and obviously I'm very you know, centered on America right now, United States, but um, we're all human. You know, everybody gets this and I don't think we're going to shame our way to more unity. So, I mean, my hope is that this is an opportunity for, for unity. Um, that may be too high of a bar to be setting right now though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I realized that I mentioned about who I was accountable to and that we're wrapping yeah. up and I should say who I was accountable to because I said it didn't let me down. If anybody's listening to this, then I'd be like, well, who are you accountable to? Right. <laughs> right. So I, I think I know that, <laughs> you know, that I, whenever I would make a decision as a parent and I would hope this might be a useful tool for some folks out there that I'm accountable to that child at 35 years old. That's right. I forgot about the that, 35 years old part. The 35 year old is important because I'm not a ch accountable to that child now because they have the freedom and the right to be the age that they are and the perspective that they have and not have that be wrong. They get to full ownership. There's, a, there's huge benefits about the perspective children bring to the world. And I used to say to my kids, I get to have you for a whole year at nine. And then when you're done being nine, I get you at 10. Hmm, I just lost your sound. I get you the full year at 10. And then <laughs> I get you at 11. They get to have their full experience. They are, should not have to be expected at 13 to be 35, to see right. things as even their own 35-year-old self will be. That's my job to have that big picture. They get to be fully in that 13-year-old experience. And it's my job to, again, be that shelter and that shield to create that. And a part of being 13 is about boundaries, is about doing yeah. your part. It is about, yeah. you, know, you don't get to just be this self-centered jerk. You still, right. <laughs> but the 13-year-old brain is a 13-year-old brain. And I'm not going to make it a 35-year-old brain. You don't have to agree with my perspective. But that would be how I would assess. And I'd look at something and think, Whatever decision I'm making now, and gosh, it could be anything. It used to be like TV. I don't even right, know if people right. call it TV. I mean, I know you have physical <laughs> screen TVs, time. But we like call it yes, screen time. You know, um, you know, circumcision, uh, screen time, um, wearing high heels. Right, that came up. You know, just like yeah. just these different things would come up. And these funny moments, because your family would be like, are you going to let your kid wear those heels? Right. You know? <laughs> Checking <laughs> in. If we all don't do, do it ever. together, then none of us have to. <laughs> oh, goodness, yes. You know, wearing makeup or not wearing makeup, just yeah. all these things, they little and big. And what it, whenever I had to make a decision, I would just think, what if my kid is 35 years old and we're sitting and we're having coffee, however many decades from now that takes him to be 35 and they say to me from a healthy functioning place, reflecting back, mom, you made this decision, whatever decision that was, right? Um, and here's how it affected me. And of course, because we've met that standard of emotional intelligence, mm. mental health, <laughs> to the extent there's aspects of mental health that are completely outside of our control. I'm talking about control and all the parts I can control. Sure. <laughs> so those are the parts we did. Um, and my kid says, what you made this choice and here's how it impacted me. And then my kid says to me at 35, 
explain yourself. Wow. And if you imagine that moment <laughs> when you're trying to make this decision, because <laughs> they're just so awful. Like there's these moments you're like, I don't want to be here. And isn't there some other grown up who's going to come make this choice for me? Right. <laughs> I'm going to make a choice now that affects this human being. Am I qualified? <laughs> like, I am such a mess. Like, what? There's a, it, somebody else come do this. But yeah. no, it's you. Yeah. And to me, that's just the best horizon. Because if I look at that spot, your function, your 35. So the ways it might impact you, it might be good, it might be bad, I don't know. I can't control that outcome. But I can, I can assess how I'm making this decision. Can I explain how? And there's a whole bunch of reasons that fall by the wayside. Yeah. I did that because I was afraid of what everybody would say about me. It doesn't work. <laughs> That's not good enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's such a I, good point. Yeah. Yeah. I was afraid that my family wouldn't talk to me anymore. Yeah. Actually isn't a good reason either. No. There's mm -mm. some really awfully hard things. Yeah, there are. Um Yeah. How well, you didn't have to deal with social media. No. With your kids growing up, it, it seems, I mean, it's, it's not a simple choice. Um, because as, you know, as we're finding out now, it's, it's a part of our connection. Um, during a tough time, people are staying connected through social media and technology, mm -hmm. but it's also got a really insidious side and it m magnifies some of these things that you're talking about, other people's, um, opinions, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, kind of herd mentality. What's your take on that? Yeah. Connection, connection with your kid, connection yeah. with your kid. Again, it's that, that authenticity and that connection. If you, if you are, uh, shaping them, they become shaped mm. by their relationship with you. But if you have a vision of the shape that they shall be, <laughs> and, okay. and so are shaping them, um, okay. that's likely to cause somebody to pull away. I actually don't want you to shape me, Ryan. <laughs> right. Right? I'm happy I am shaped by my experience with you, right? Like, there, there is a way that humans impact each other, and there is a way that parents must take responsibility for the safety and well-being of kids. There's a lot of decisions that are the parents' decision. Um, but often the message from the parent of you should be different, you are not good enough, you are, like there's so many ways we can do that that can push that relationship apart, mm. which is, uh, I've never worried about being my kid's friend. I'm not their friend. Mm. i I did a lot of things that I thought were fun. Let's go back to that. Nobody has ever accused me of being <laughs> lots of fun. <laughs> but I like to relax as much as everybody. But I never considered myself my children's playmate. Yeah. Like if my kid said, you know, play dolls with me or play trucks with me. I, I didn't consider it my job. Right. To play trucks with them. If I, I would do all kinds of things. I wouldn't just necessarily say no, but just because my kids said, I want you to sit on the ground and play trucks with me. I didn't, you know, we're all different, but I didn't mm. automatically assume that that meant that to be a good parent meant that I had to 
stop doing the drawing that I was working on to sit in. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't see myself as your playmate or your friend. I'm your mom. For better and for worse, this is, and right. a, we've got a couple generations, we've got a couple decades between us, and and we have an authentic relationship that is not about either of us shaping each other, but of us being together. And in that being together, it's easier to build that trust relationship. And that, that trust relationship, I think social media is a place it's a place like anywhere else. It's a place, any tool hmm. that folks create for engagement and communication, you can bet that intentional good things will happen there. Intentional bad things will happen there. Accidental right. good things will happen there. And accidental bad things will happen, there, hmm. right? So you're going to have a mix of all four of those things. And the operational piece, it seems, is that social media, we don't quite know enough yet about what we're doing. Yeah. That's and I don't say that point. as a bad thing. I just mean we don't know what we're doing. Sometimes I look at the cohort of my children. They're, you know, mine are 23 and 25. We don't know what the impact of this time will be or was on them. They were kind of the early years of, oh, look, here's a phone. You have a phone. Right. Um, <laughs> look, Neat. Um, look, video games. I was kind of late coming to figure out that my kid was playing multiplayer video games. Okay. Because it wasn't like a thing. And then it became yeah. a thing. Turned out, I mean, you and I have this connection through kid power. Uh, my kid power skills, the, the, you know, our life was just, there isn't a part of my life that is separate from kid power principles. Yeah. So, and it turns out kid power principles translate pretty well online. Like they're just the same thing. You just say, mm. my kids, my kid took, his skills are, I didn't know he was going there. <laughs> right. When I figured that out, when we figured it out, it was good. But like, I was like, whoo, that worked out well. Thankfully, my kid has those had the safety skills. Yeah, boundaries, um, But it wasn't yeah. because I had any great foresight as to where the digital world was taking us. Sure. I didn't. Um, but we did have communication. I did find out about those things because we had conversation, because yeah. I showed interest that's another thing. If grownups, which, and I really have no interest in video games. I actually don't really have any interest. I don't watch movies, really. I don't like mm. to sit still. Um, <laughs> I don't believe it's my job to like all the things my kids like. But if it's my job to keep them sa safe, then it is my job to know what's involved in that. I don't mm. need to be an expert. Right. But I need, to, I, know, I need to know how to source an expert. And to me, with video games, just as an example... And maybe we can, folks can carry that to the other things that they engage sure. with digitally. My kid would say, I want to use this thing. For me, it was such and such video game, you know. Um, well, I don't know, but we can find people who do know. Right. Right. So, like for a video game, best person I know would be somebody about 23 or 24 who likes to play that game. <laughs> right. You know, as somebody who's 52, I have not met a 24 year old who, who if I ask them, Hey, that game, you play that game, don't you? Now they're going to be a little wary at first. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, can you tell me about how all the ways people mess with each other there? Like, tell me oh, all wow. about it. What do you like about it? What goes wrong? Like, if I show authentic, true interest, not because I want to yeah. do it. I actually don't. But I'm not pretending to you that I want to either. Right. My kid wants to do it. 
Like, tell me about it. Oh, here's my kid. Can we, can, will you sit down with me? Can, can all three of us talk about it together? What goes wrong? What are the best that things? Actually How do fun. people accidentally <laughs> hurt? It's, yes. Yeah. It's actually yeah. really interesting for me. It's like, oh, cool. I can learn yeah. all about this and don't have to do it. Right. Right. <laughs> but that auto doesn't automatically, doesn't automatically mean that my kid gets permission to do it. Sure. I'll give you an old school version, Facebook, yeah. right? Which is talking about old school. That's like, you know. Maybe there's kids like ancient now. never do Facebook. <laughs> ancient, ancient. It makes a nice, safe one to do, right? Yeah. When my younger kid wanted to go on Facebook. So here's an example of, of my perspective with parenting, right? How I used it. And then people are like, okay, take what you want from this approach and leave the rest, Perfect. right? My kid comes to me, 12 years old, says, I want a Facebook page and a Facebook account. And I said, well... One thing is, so glad you're talking to me, which is that straight out of kid power. <laughs> exactly. As you know, we teach, and whatever we practice, I'm so glad you're talking. My kid could have just gone and started that account all by themselves. Yeah. No matter what your kid says, I want to play this game where they shoot lots of people or whatever they say. I am so glad you're talking to me because <laughs> they had so many other choices. And that again is, so that's the part that's going to keep them protected, that connection with you. Nothing works yeah. all the time. It's your greatest source of protection. And I want to open a Facebook account. And I said, I'm so glad you're talking to me. So here's the pathway. And so you have to figure out a pathway. What is the pathway to yes? Mm. Right? Kind of like getting out of this pandemic. What is the pathway right. to yes? Right? That's where it's not just a date. A date is absurd. Right. Yeah. Saying 16 is absurd. Sure. <laughs> Saying to us, like, what's the pathway? Yeah. Right. So actually the pandemic gives people a nice frame of reference for other hits the same. Absolutely. What is the pathway? What needs to be in place to support safety? Right. It's really kind of the same idea. And so I said, one, unfortunately you're stuck with me as a parent <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> and I teach boundaries in the Facebook boundary. I don't know what it is now, but then it was 13. I know that like probably half the world didn't follow it, but sure. have we gone over that? I am a rule follower. Right. <laughs> I was like, so the rule here so says you can't has join. to be 13, right? Yeah. <laughs> so between now and 13, right? So it will, you have to be at least 13. Um, between now and 13, the pathway to yes. So this was the one that I made that kids 20 to 23 now. Just going to be 23 in a couple months. So this is 10 years ago. Yeah. Okay. Ancient times. I said, pathway to yes. One, right now you start, you need to start receiving, sign up for and start receiving the common sense newsletter kid version. That time they had a young people version. I don't know if they still do. Uh, I will start re receiving the common sense newsletter adult version. I expect you to read yours. When I receive mine, I will forward mine to you. I will expect you to read mine. I expect you to read huh. these three articles on the Common Sense Media page. Read them and understand them, what they say about Facebook privacy settings and why certain aspects are important. Um, I expect you to be able to hold your own in any conversation with grownups about privacy settings in Facebook, about what happens with pictures, about what happens with different levels of security. And again, this is 10 years ago. But still, it's an it's a assignment. It's a task. It's a project. These are all things a young person can do while they're waiting for the age of 13. These are things that are researchable, where you don't just have to jump on the page and start posting stuff. <laughs> That's so simple. Start learning. That's so brilliant. <laughs> it's like, so simple. let's find out the environment. For any platform, this general approach should still work, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and then I said, when you are ready, 
when you have to be at least 13. And mm. once we've gotten to 13, when you feel like you're ready and you have done all of these things, then, and you're ready to set up a Facebook page, then we set it up side by side and you explain to me your reasoning for each choice on the settings and why. Mm. And I get your password and your account. Yeah. Parents will make a different choice about that. It's not spying. Spying on your sure. kids is a bad thing, right? Yeah. That's a, spying. I, I guess I shouldn't say it that literally. That sounded awfully judgy there. Spying on your kids can damage that connection. Sure. Right? You're yeah. looking at people's things that they believe are private. Um, again, I'm going to look at 35 year old assess. I can, we could probably create a story here where, so where a parent might have ended up in a spot where they're going to say, yeah, I heard that flippant comment by right. that person, but here's right. But and, this time it, I needed to do that or there might be. Right. A, and this yeah. is, you're better off preventing problems, right? Absolutely. And I can prevent Especially this problem, safety right? problems. Yeah. Right. And what I'm saying is I didn't just go to my kids. Oh yeah, you can create a page and tell myself I'm just going to be tracking it. Right. That's again, that, do you see that's, that's a very different pathway versus Absolutely. my kids. You're stuck with me as a parent. There's good parts about that and bad parts about that. Your parent gives you a choice whether you go to school or not. Oh, pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> like yeah. you, you, you know, you don't get it all. You know, there's yeah. other things that other kids can do that you can't. And that's how it is. And yeah. so one, you gotta be 13 and two, you can have, you know, we can go through this pathway. And if it, the answer is yes, I get the password. I get to log in as you anytime. Mm. Um, it, that's not a secret. If you don't right. like that idea, then we're, then let's not do it right now. I understand that my child could now go around and open a different account, right? A secret account, Ryan, yeah. and saying that. Yeah. And that's why I'm going to acknowledge that in the conversation. My sure. goal is not, I'm going to prevent you. Like, you, you see that this approach, my kid is seeing, I've got a shared vision for you. Right. I want the vision you want, which is to use all of these resources for joy and health and connection. Right. It's almost like you want to say yes, if yes. the necessary components are there, emotional intelligence, um, an yeah. ability to understand the possibilities and parameters yeah. of the platform, you know, privacy yeah. law, all that stuff. And mm -hmm. then yeah. I can imagine that probably maybe didn't happen at 13 or maybe it no. did, but it wouldn't for every child. Uh, yeah. But I think they could see the intent. Right. right. That the, exactly. that mom's intent was yep. not, I don't want you to do that. Just like mm. I, there was an intent there. Here is why I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> There's great stuff here and the risk is high. Yeah. Right. And so that was my agreement with my kids. Now I'm saying that understanding that if they go around that, that they had that choice. However, it's Absolutely. in a context of greater relationship. There are so many things your kids can sneak out and do without telling you. Yeah. My goal was to raise my kids with that accountability to 35, accountability to mental health, which includes that emotional intelligence. That means yeah. healthy, positive communication with me. Yeah. Right? Like, and so my best, my best shot is that they look at me as somebody that they could turn to when they've screwed everything up. Yeah. If they can yeah. look at me like that person, they're going to have less motivation to go create a secret account. Yeah. Because there's a kind of less on the line, right? They're not going to be so worried. Um, so it, it worked for us. Now, what happened 
we sat down, went through kids going, want it this way, want it this way. And mom, you should definitely know this. You should definitely know. And of course, as I'm listening, I'm thinking, excellent, right? This is the level of attentiveness. Those privacy settings, Ryan, were so tight. Mm, mm. <laughs> they were, you want it this way, mom, because of mm-hmm. this and this one. Like really yeah. the level of care and thought was so solid. And really that connection and conversation just continued, right? It was, and, and I like the idea of my kids, even long after I've passed using few future social media that I can't even begin (laughs) to imagine. I actually like the idea of when my kids do something on social media, having a piece of them saying, what if my mom reads this? Right. Yeah. Because really, if that, I can understand you might not really want that a little like, Ooh, that's fine. But if you thought, what if my mom reads this and you thought that is so awful, right? Like, I'm going to die or I'm going to lose a night's sleep. Then really, should you be giving it a digital footprint? Yeah. Really think about it. Even though I'm not here anymore, I'm not looking at your account, but it's a good question to embed. So that was the pathway that I used. And if I had a young person in my care, I would probably use the same general approach. If I end up grandparenting, parenting in a grandparent position, I'll probably do the same thing. I don't know. And I'm not going to pretend that I know. It seems like a timeless approach. (laughs) You know, I keep hearing connection and authenticity and, and, and respect. Like I hear respect all through that conversation. Um, but you know, parental respect with the, with the well-functioning adult in mind. Yeah, exactly. And so it seems to me that that would serve me again, even if I ended up unexpectedly parenting again, huh? Show me the thing. One, I've got to show interest. That doesn't mean I have to like the thing myself. It means that I am interested deeply in this human being. And this thing is drawing my child's interest. This thing is bringing my child alive. This thing is something my child wants to run towards. I want them to run around me, run away from me, or to look at me and say, show me how I can engage with this. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and if there's a process, you know, I can remember I was reading um, Dragon Tattoo, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Okay. And my younger child was 12 or 13 at the time. And I was so into that series. Like some people got really into it and I got really into it. I think I was standing in the middle of the kitchen reading it. Like I couldn't (laughs) put it down. And, um, and he said to me something along the lines of, you know, everybody's reading that and, you know, maybe I want to read that. And, you know, that's the thing, Ryan, with books, they're just laying all around. Yeah. Like the world is right there. parental controls. I can take my (laughs) right. And, So, you know, it's like what we say in kid power, tell kids the truth, but that doesn't mean it needs to be the whole truth. Think about who they are and what information is relevant. You don't have to tell them everything. They're not asking you for everything that's true. That's too much stuff. But can you say something that is true? And I was reading this book that was just that. And that's what you want. Your kid excited about a book. And I think lots of 13-year-olds have probably read it, but I don't know if you've read it. Mm -mm, I I was concerned. Yeah. And I looked at it and I looked at my kid and I said, I am so glad. <laughs> Notice the theme. Yes. <laughs> I am so glad. I'm so glad you're interested in reading it. I'm so glad you've noticed everybody is reading it. I'm so like, yeah. and I love it that that's exciting and engaging to you. And now keep in mind, this is me parenting my kid. My right. Everybody again, if we just use it as a model, I looked at him and said, 
the thing about this series is there's a lot of sex in it, which isn't really the part that I'm thinking of here. It's sex that reflects a lot of trauma and oh. harm and yeah. hurt. And if you read this book and this series and have in your mind the descriptions here as the first introduction mm. to writing about sex, I am concerned about the picture in your mind about what's possible in sex for the future of your own life. That's not what I would want for you. Yeah. That's a really good point. Not a lot of kids would argue with that. Like, no, it's not. I can't. I, but yeah. I, <laughs> like, and you yeah. don't, they don't have to say anything back. Right. And nope. like, it's not like I expected agreement. I'm just like, that's. Here's my concern. Here's my concern. This is yeah. some, this is some pretty unhappy sex in here. Yeah. And you're 12 or 13 and you deserve healthy, happy, positive pictures. Mm. And through that lens, this writing will look different. Sure. Which is the lens that I'm bringing and enjoying it mm. from the perspective that I have now that I want you to have when you write right. this book. So those would just be, you know, examples of mm. putting the connection at the center. I understand that I could leave. I could, I, I could have thrown that book out. I could have burned him. My kid could get a book. They sure. can get, they can go open any Political social media library. account. They can just open <laughs> under a fake name. So yeah. we already know that they can go around you. So what would it look like if we created that relationship where it wasn't about, I want to control everything. I want to do mm. it, but we're a team and the team yeah, I'm the leader of this team. But as the leader of this team, success for me is success for you. Yeah. Right? That's that's, that's what I want on this. Yeah. So that's you want you want that? Then I I want to help you get that. Yeah, and together it's a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you one last question that's what's well, come up a lot for us lately? Um it, you know, we haven't been out in the world as much, but we have come across some instances where adults are talking about what doesn't seem scary to them, I guess, but I'm thinking through the mind of my 10 year old, it probably is. Mostly we just get away as quickly as we can in a calm way, just kind of leave. But, um, what's your advice for that? And I mean, I guess we can also be sort of talking to adults about like, let's remember this. There's, there's kids around, like we don't need to tell them the whole truth. They know there's stuff going on. Yeah. Do you get where I'm, I mean, there's adult conversations happening that I don't think necessarily need to be happening around kids. And I'm trying to keep my kid away from them without, you know, sheltering them from yeah. everything. But I'm thinking, and when you put out this, podcast, however you do, you yeah. can also get put links with it. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know I'm not, you know, there's so many resources on the KidPile webpage, but I'm actually yeah. pretty sure there's one or two articles at least that directly hit that by Irene. That's great. Yeah. Our founder kind of right on about, I, I think, I'm not sure, but there's going to be ones that circle around it. So anything that I say right now would really just be consistent with that. Perfect. But that's a, a bit of a diversion moment, right? It depends yeah. on the level of engagement. Um, it might be something that I'm just overhearing and want right. to move my kids away from, in which case I'm going to do it with calm and confidence right. mm. and not worry. Not, oh, kids, like, oh gosh, that's so scary. You know, if I'm acting worried, they're going to be worried. If I'm acting scared, that's going to 
increase the chance that they're going to be scared. I'm going to use that awareness, calm, and confidence. Let's go over this way. Did it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have might, a better well, idea. That was right? intense. Did you yeah. hear that? They were talking <laughs> about people getting their heads cut off. That was you know, like if I heard it, and I know they heard it. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Like, yeah. I mean, but now I can put my tone. I can engage with it in my. I'm not going to bring up the head chopping thing, but if that's what they just heard, yeah, to not mention it is. They have now heard it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Then I'm going to, so I'm going to, if that has become a part of our shared experience, I'm going to put my spin on it, put it in our shared experience with less worry. Right. Um, That would be in a situation where I might move it away. That also might happen if I had been in a spot like a family get together or a neighborhood thing where, you know, something had come up and, and we'd had that, I might use that same approach processing it later. Mm so glad you're talking that's intense my goodness Mm. you know (laughs) i but again engaging again with that tone of that's hard that's scary that was stressful and you're not broken right right Right. (laughs) you're stretching you're bending this is uncomfortable this Mm. is upsetting and you're not broken i know you're not broken right um and process let's talk about let's write it you know if somebody already heard something you know, writing it down. And so I, that's, I know there's some good stuff on the kid power website about yeah, I'll link to um, that. helping kids. Like if they uh, kind of regain the sense of emotional safety, the emotional safety article has some really good tips for if they already heard something yeah. that is information that maybe you would have preferred they not have. Right. Um, and with adults, it's a lot of like what Irene covers these days in the boundary webinars in terms of intervening. And say, I understand you are really paying attention to what's going on and really concerned about what's going on. And I feel uncomfortable when we talk at this level of detail with the kids around. Mm-hmm. Could we please save this conversation for when the kids are? Oh, that's such a good you way know, to something put it. like that, right? <laughs> so again, yeah. just the standard, you know, boundary stuff that's in the full power webinars on the website that people can hear. But stepping in with confidence and yeah. again, we say in Kip Our Time, wishing doesn't work. Right. Right. If I sit there and wish, I don't disengage. I don't say anything. And I just wish, oh, I wish they weren't talking about this awful thing that my kid is hearing. Yeah. They're hearing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. It's, it's, um, when we're triggered, it's so nice to have a script. So if I've read something or heard somebody else say that, even those that, what you just said, you know, it sounds like you're really paying attention to all the details. I feel more comfortable if we don't talk about it in that level of detail with my kids yeah. around. Yeah. Wow. I and could that, do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that yeah, script, yeah. Irene's got an article on the kid power. That's website great. That has I that like one that. Actually pretty much written out. So that is great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a useful one for this time, which is why it's in the full power webinars that are happening right now. Perfect. Well, I will put all those good links in the boundary, um, boundary setting workshops, uh, uh, how to talk to your kids during times of crisis. I remember that one was really valuable. Um, anything else uh, that we should be paying attention to? I was going to say, enjoy your family. That's that's a, that sounds like a good thing to focus on. For whoever you with, you know. Yeah. If you're alive, if you're breathing, if you're not in pain, if your kidneys are functioning and your stomach is functioning, you have a good pillow, light, <laughs> water. There is so much going right. For so many people, so much of the time, and we don't know where this is going, and this is your life. 
This is your life right now. This is your life with your kids. This is your children's childhood. Uh, find joy where you are. It's right there. Um, mourning what's not there. It's not there. <laughs> but there's, there's good right here. If they can learn from their grown-ups how to see it right here, then they will always be able to find it. That's perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's the show for today. I really hope that you got as much out of listening to that conversation as I did having it with Erica. She has consistently provided great advice for me as a friend and as a parent. One time when I was looking for a preschool uh, for my daughter, I asked her what I should be looking for. And, and she said, look for the art on the wall to be brown. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, when kids paint, they try all the paints and it invariably turns brown. So if the art on the wall is brown, that shows that the teachers at that preschool care about the child's process, not how the art looks on the wall. And I thought that was great advice. A couple things I have sat with since the interview that just strike me as so important right now. I got chills when Erica said she knew that her child wasn't a good fit for public education when she met her actual child. It's so simple and so important to just be with what is so, especially with other people. It reminds me of one of my favorite equations. It's happiness equals reality minus expectations. Sometimes our expectations so get in the way of our happiness. And in the case of, of children, their, their growth and, and mental well-being possibly. The other thing that seemed pertinent, especially for now, is lowering the bar to what's essential. When everything is important, nothing is important. Having the ability to read means that you can learn anything you want, whenever you want. And having mental well-being uh, as a cornerstone of uh, priorities in life seems very important right now. It always is, but especially right now. The other thing that really struck me and caused me to think a lot was just remembering who as parents uh, we're accountable for. We're accountable for our children as 35-year-old adult children. If they ask about a choice that we made as parents, it'd be great to know exactly why we made it and that it was out of a preponderance of care and love for their well-being. Not, you know, what we think we should be doing or what the, the parenting book says, but just, just knowing that uh, their future well-being is at the core of our beliefs and our actions. That's it. That's, uh, well, there's a lot more, but those are some things I sat with. Uh, I hope you're well. And as always, if you know someone with a story that simply ought to be told, I'd love to meet them. Talk to you next time.